Welcome to episode 17 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments. The name's to keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. Rod Murray at the controls, as always, as we head towards the end of the European Tour season. Just one event to go after this week, and the US Tour returns after a rare week off, though it must be said, not on US soil. For new listeners, you'll figure out pretty quickly that the betting tips are very much not my domain. I'm just here to keep our resident expert, John Evans, on the straight and narrow, so let's test my ability to do just that by saying hello to the man himself. Jay, what part of New Zealand do we find you in today? You've been all over the shop lately. Well, Farmer J.E., I am no more, Rod. I've, uh, I've, I've sadly relinquished the role of feeding the three lambs, <laughs> dog and the cat, and mowing the lawns. And I'm, and I, yeah. I've just arrived back in Dunedin at the at the beautiful offices looking straight up the harbour of Ray White Limited. Lovely. Doing and, some more uh, real estate deals, no doubt. Now, you know, who's happier about not having to feed the animals anymore, J.E.? The animals who were being fed or you who was doing the feeding? One of the lambs... Uh, uh, it's got a crook leg, and, and and it looks like I'm getting the blame for that. <laughs> you can't take a trick, can you? It's uh, it's a disaster. Uh, my warning lights come on my car. I can't believe it. It's an ABS warning light. I've, uh, it's just, it's, anybody want a nice Mercedes? Going cheap. Comes comes with war- comes with working warning light, so you can't ask for much more than that. Uh, let's see if we can get some winners home this week, so you can get yourself a new car. Before we come to this week's selections, though, it's time for our usual homework, which is to alert the listener to the value proposition that is the Winning Edge Investments Weekly Golf Newsletter. Now, it's normally one hundred and fifty dollars per month, but twenty five percent off for podcast listeners, which means just one hundred and twelve dollars and fifty cents. And for that, you get access to all of JE's hard work and research. And I can tell you. That is a bargain. He does do a lot of hard work and research. Uh, Add on the profit guarantee for those signing up for three or 12 months. And what you have yourself, people, is frankly an unbeatable proposition. Get yourself to the Winning Edge Investments website to sign up. There's a link in the show notes below. Make sure to use the promo code GOLF25 to get that podcast listener only discount. Did you have anything to add there, J.E., except to agree with me that it's a frankly fantastic deal, or should we just get on to the betting? We nearly got out of the out of the money back guarantee last week, Rod, with a, with a tie, but but we didn't quite make it. So yeah, it's a still a look, it's still a great offer. It's uh, no doubt it is a great offer. Betting time. Let's get onto it. Another odd week on the world's tours, Jay. No LPGA event this week. They'll play their last event of the season next week. The Euro Tour are in South Africa, and the US men are playing in Mexico. Where do you want to start? Uh, I think we should start because at uh, six o'clock your time tonight. Uh, the, the Nedback Challenge starts. We better get our bets out there first, I think, and uh, and, and get the info out to to other punters. Let's do just that. Let's start with winners, JE, and a reminder: if people have only been with us for once or twice, or aren't really sure, what we're looking for here is value. Uh, we want value bets, players that are over the odds. Podcast Pete gets a couple of selections. There's many more for the uh, newsletter subscribers. Who's Podcast Pete going to be looking at this week, JE? Okay, we've got Sebastian Soderberg, and uh, his uh, record is pretty steady in the last few weeks. Played well. He won about uh, six tournaments ago, and uh, he's at quite the luxurious odds of $480. So a man who won only six starts ago seemed like a pretty good uh, pretty good deal to and, me. And in a field of only 63, J.E., it's not a full field event this, so that is very generous odds. That is the interesting part about this event is I was surprised that uh, the top 20 odds, given that there's only 63 starters, the top 20 odds are actually pretty good. So um, uh, I think this is a good week to have a bet. Not Quite often these 
limited field tournaments, um, it's hard to find value, but I found quite a bit this week. Yeah, which is good to hear. So, so Sebastian Soderberg, $480, point two of a unit you're suggesting there. And who's your other uh, podcast? This is a player I must say I'm not familiar with, so I'll be intrigued to hear why Kelly Samoja will have some Kelly of your Kelly Samoja from Finland uh-huh. is his recent record, too. Miss Cat, Miss Cat, 40, 18, 21, 17. Never played this tournament. But he's just a, one of those guys that's showing consistent and good form. You know, mm. nearly won, nearly won. I think he nearly won when uh, at, at uh, the French Open and um, uh, and was only just beaten, I think, so by Kinholt. So uh, showing form and uh, not a great, Huge odds, but uh, I've just followed this guy. So two hundred dollars for Kelly Samoja. Not, not, uh, not huge odds for your normal golf bet, but two hundred dollars. If you back the two hundred dollars winner on the horses, you'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? So plenty of good odds. Uh, in that way, not having played this event before, Jay uh, can go either way, can't it? Yeah. Well, he's travelled around and he's he's pretty consistent. So mm-hmm. they've never been all over the shop, Turkey and uh, you know uh, Ireland, Scotland, that sort of thing. So. I think uh, the current players, whilst they've got a marginal advantage reading the greens, I think if you've been there before, they pick up the thing, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they generally work things out and they've got a, they've got a green reading book, most of these places. The caddies usually know what they're doing. So there's obviously an advantage for someone like uh, the favourite, Louis uh, Ustazen. He's, he's won here and he's played well here. But I, I don't... I don't, uh, maybe that's why we're getting $200, you know, and, and, and so that's why we take it. Yeah, could be. It might be one of the most impressive things about professional golfers that never gets talked about, Jay. I'm constantly staggered by how quickly they strategically figure out a golf course for their game and how to score well on it. As you said, you can take them there on Tuesday, and by Thursday, they'll know as much or more as the club champion who's been playing there for 25 years. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Well, that is. You do learn that, though, don't you? Even even as a young fella playing amateur golf, you're playing probably 20 different courses a year, and uh, you've got to learn them very quickly. Uh, and it just becomes a formula. You go there and you do your yardages mm. and you chip from around the greens and you putt and you figure out the, the, whether there's any grain or not and which way it works. And they talk. You talk to a lot of people. So they, they've, they've got a wealth of information mm. Yeah. By the time they teared up on Thursday morning. Yeah, indeed. I, I can distinctly recall, Jay, I was on the bandwagon back in 2011 that was uh, very much of the thought process that the Americans would struggle to figure out Royal Melbourne in the President's Cup, particularly having lost the thing in 1998, the only time they ever lost it at that course. And I was up there proudly beating my chest as an Australian, saying, oh, Royal Melbourne, they won't figure this out. It takes time to figure out Royal Melbourne. You've got to know what you're doing. They figured it out in about 15 minutes and they smashed us. So, uh the guy that really figured it out was Bubba Watson. Oh, very I much. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how quickly he figured it out. Suits him, though, doesn't it, Jay? He's a he's an imaginative player. He's not a formula player. I can't imagine that he does a lot of track man, and if he does, I imagine the numbers would be quite odd. But a bit like Augusta National, Royal Melbourne gave him room to play and room to be creative and imaginative because he hit shots that other players, well, they certainly don't see or attempt. Uh, but he hit shots that you'd expect kids normally to play for a bit of fun. That hook shot, I think you referred to it a couple of weeks ago, that he played out of the trees that first year at Augusta that he won it in the playoff to win it, the 40-yard hook with a wedge on the 10th hole. You just don't see those sorts of shots, do you? So I think Royal Melbourne's a great fit for him in that way because there's room to do that. Yeah, and, and, and Alistair McKenzie, of course, too. You know, he, he's obviously got a great record at Augusta and uh, yeah. 
and, and perhaps, you know, the Mackenzie excited him. Well, I think, uh, Mike, you know, we talk about him all the time, Mike Clayton's made this point many times. The only player in history to win at the old course, Augusta and Royal Melbourne, is Seve. And Seve is exactly the player that Mackenzie, the designer of Royal Melbourne and Augusta National, had in mind. An exciting player who might not necessarily be mechanically perfect, but has a, a great imagination and an exciting way to go about playing the game, where the game is fun and interesting. It's not just down the middle, turn left and onto the middle of the green. Uh, so. It'll be interesting. Next, next, I'm looking forward to seeing you and the, the President's Cup. It's going to be a great, it'll be a fantastic uh, it'll week. Be a great week. Yeah. Just, I'm just really looking forward to it. You know, I, I wrote a piece about this in a column with Golf Australia magazine, Jay. I wrote a piece about it this week. There's a lot of naysayers about the President's Cup, and it's somewhat understandable. It is no question it's a it's a poor cousin to the Ryder Cup at the moment. Uh, but we all bang on constantly about, you know, golf being boring, and it's all 72-hole stroke play every week on the World's Professional Tours. And every time the Ryder Cup comes around, the Solheim Cup, we bang on about how we need more team match play. We get more team match play with the President's Cup. And we all go, oh, yeah, it's not. The problem is it hasn't been competitive enough. If it's a close contest... It's fantastic. There's no better golf than team match play when it's a close contest, Jay. So if we can get a close contest again this time, people forget the Ryder Cup was a dud for the first 40 years too, wasn't it? <laughs> no, that's right, until they introduced the Europeans. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty good dull affair, and then it was looked like it was going to stop. But uh, you know, the, pre- the other thing about it is I think that the dominance of the Europeans uh, and the Americans is obviously not happening in women's golf. Now, it only will take a couple more Koreans and a couple more Chinese to come through, and all of a sudden you might find that the results go the other way. Well, this is an interesting discussion. I touched on this in that guy. If you're bored, fast forward for about five minutes or so because we're going down a rabbit hole. Everybody holds up the Europeans as having a flag to rally around. This is what binds them. They're playing for the European Tour and for Europe. And whilst that's true, J.E., it's really a marriage of convenience, isn't it? Because the truth is that the bulk of that European Ryder Cup team plays most of its golf in America. And so it's a handy thing to be able to rally around a flag, and it's what the internationals lack. But I'm a firm believer that, in fact, what will happen for the internationals at some point, we don't know who it might be yet. Maybe it'll be Adam Scott when he captains, and he will captain in a few years' time. Maybe he'll be just the right person. I think a player will rally the internationals at some point, and they'll get that same spark that the Europeans have got. Seve did it for the Europeans in 79 when he joined the team. No question about that. He had that chip on his shoulder. He wanted to prove to the Americans that he was good enough. That's going to happen for the internationals, I think, and that's kind of what you're alluding to there, I suspect. It'll, it'll be a player from Asia or from South America, but I think it'll be a player that the internationals end up rallying around, and then you'll have a competition, and then there won't be any problem finding something to rally around every two years. Well, it might be this Joaquin Neiman. He's quite a special player. He certainly is. I'm very, very keen to see him play, uh, J.E. I'm, I'm with you there, so that'll be good. All right, you can come back if you've been... Uh, off the uh, off the air while we went down that rabbit hole. Uh, top twenty bets for the Ned Bank Challenge in South Africa, JE. And you, you were saying surprising Got value, at, given the size of the field. And I think you're right. Yeah, well, here. Remembering sixty three players, I'm mm. going to finish in the top third of the field. And I've got Chris Paisley at four dollars twenty top tw- top twenty bet. And Chris Paisley's record is. Uh, 27, 48, 5, 62, and he's finished ninth on this course last start. So he's an Englishman, and uh, he's, he's under the radar, and I thought that uh, 4.2 was very good odds for him. Mm-hmm. And the other guy, got a South African, in his own place, Xander Lombard at $6. Uh, he's been playing okay too, and... Um, 
my system's broken down here, but I'll just give me one second. Right, here we go. Uh, yeah, Xander finished seventh. Uh, four starts go, 17th last start. So here's a guy that's um, uh, in form, and he has finished he finished 30, 30th here last time he played. So uh, I thought at $6 for the top 20 with that sort of form was, was very, very good. Yeah, very so, much so. Don't know. But have I got quite a few top 20 tips uh, for You have. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the thing. list, and you have. So. And, uh, the, and and because, just because of this um, of this sort of sixty three players, and I mean you, you, you we might get five. I mean last week we got two and made a profit, and the and the third one, uh, Jason Scrivener finished twenty first, which I find very frustrating, uh, which would have given us a very good profit, but that was okay. And so um, uh, this week we might get five or six of them in there, and and everybody will start uh, jumping up and down. Yeah, indeed, Xander Lombard. Co-led the first round with Dylan Fratelli at the, P- the Australian PGA Championship at Royal Ponds on the Gold Coast. I'm going to say in 2015. I got to see a lot of him that week, and he is an extremely impressive player, Jay. I'm very surprised he hasn't already gone on with it. That week, he really marked himself as a player to watch, and he hasn't got across the line yet, but at some point, you get the feeling he's going to, and when he does, he really will go on with the job. That's the feeling you get from Lions. I think that's a fantastic pick. Um, really impressive player. All the tools to be a world top 10 player. No question. It's still not young. He's only about 23 or 24 still. So uh, loads of time there. So I'm on board with that. But let's head over to Mexico, G, the Mayacoba Classic in Mexico, the US PGA Tour. Uh, the big story out of this last year was Matt Kuchar stiffing his caddy. <laughs> it was a local caddy for the week, giving him next to nothing after he won $1.2 million. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the potential million-dollar winners that you found in well, the, the caddies, I like a man who negotiates, and the caddy negotiated his fee from 5000 to 50000 was pretty and, and was still hard done by. But anyway, let's not go into that. <laughs> Who have we got well, this so week? Going to the win bets here, yes. um, I've got one guy here who I – Great personally, uh, and uh, I've met Danny Lee, mm-hmm. and Danny Lee, uh, I've put him in a very short odds for me of fifty-five dollars, and the reason I've done that is because Danny Lee has his last four starts are two ten, and on this course three twenty-five two. Okay. So he likes so the venue. Here's mm. Danny Lee with a pretty good record on this course mm-hmm. and very much in form. Uh, and Danny is a guy who holds his form. And so uh, he's had a few health issues. Um, it seems to have overcome those. Uh, Danny Lee is one of my uh, picks today. And mm. the other pick I got for Benny Silverman. I've got two others, actually. You do? Benny Silverman uh, hasn't played for a while. Had to go back to tour school, but... He put in some fantastic performances, uh, and I tipped him quite a bit last year. And he got it; he, his price was coming down very rapidly. Started up about a thousand, he'd run down to about hundred and fifty. He hasn't played for for a while, and here he comes out first start, and he's at a thousand dollars again. So that's luxury. He's Benny Silver's a good young player. Agreed. Thousand dollars is that because he hasn't played, mm-hmm. the market's just forgotten him. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's one we've got. Uh, well ahead, and I've actually put double the amount of units on Betty Silverman. So if you if you normally put on ten, put on twenty, you might get a big bonus. Mm-hmm. And the third guy uh, for, for uh, podcast Pete is Chris Stroud. Now Chris Stroud's 
another guy um, who uh, hasn't played a great deal lately, very consistent performer, and his performance at the Mayakoba is fourth, fifth, third. Wow. Right. Now, his last, he, he didn't play for a while. He came back in the US Tour, 48th and 61st, made the cut both times. But his form at Mayakoba is outstanding. So that's why we put Chris Stroud in at 370 bucks for the win. He'll stand on every tee and know that he's he's probably birded every hole out there at some point. So he's got good memories flowing everywhere. Best of luck to him. So that's a that's a good horses of courses, yeah. I think, and uh, and, and that's, that's that's why we were very lucky. I'm, I should give them that knowledge, but there's a fellow called Smart Golf Bets, and I'll tell you what, he's he's a he's a grinder. He puts out an enormous amount of information, mm-hmm. which is very helpful to me, and has been why we've been uh, finding so many good top twenty tips. I say thank you. Good on, good on him. Smart golf bets on Twitter. You'll find him. Is that, is that right? At smart golf bets. I'll look him up and I'll put a link. Smart golf bets. He's, put a link he, in he's, there. He's, 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 it's very interesting too because it, it does highlight some uh, interesting information. Indeed. So now, our top twenty bets there at the Mayakoba, uh, and as I said last week, we made a quit. Uh, quite a few top twenty bets there as well. But Brian Gay. At uh, three ninety five, you might get four dollars, but uh, you'll definitely get three ninety five on Betfair, our normal uh, mm-hmm. place. Yes, all bets on Betfair, people. By the way, unless otherwise specified, very rare to bet anywhere else but Betfair. So uh, yeah, we bet we bet the ladies on Bet three six five because the ladies, uh, well, I think we'll keep doing that. They they do, they get pretty good odds, the mm-hmm. ladies, and it's very hard to get on on Betfair. So three ninety five for Brian Gay, and this is why. Brian Gay's form at the Mayakoba, he's finished fifth, was his best result. But his last five weeks, 65th, 23rd, 7th, 42nd, 3rd. So, again, a man in form mm-hmm. who has played well on this course. And Brian Gay is one of the, the great putters of the world. Incredibly consistent player. No, no length off the tee to speak of at all. In fact, he really does start behind the eight ball every week. It's incredible that he performs as well as he does, truth be told. Well, this tournament has been won by quite a lot of uh, yep. medium and short hitters. That's that's uh, that which I think is, again, something to give Brian Gay an advantage. Yep. Um, and the other guy, the other top 20 tip is uh, Kyle Stanley, who perennially runs under the odds. And... Kyle Stanley's uh, he's finished thirteenth here as his best result, and his last two starts forty eighth and tied for twenty first. So Kyle Stanley's a wonderful ball striker. Mm-hmm. If he puts well, he wins. Yeah, he's not he a great closer historically, is he, Kyle? I mean, that which is maybe an unfair thing to say. That you don't get many chances, so you can look pretty poor if you mess up one chance. He did have a horrendous stumble at a tournament a few years ago, then won the following week, which was pretty impressive. But he hasn't proved a great closer, has he? For all the talent that he's got, you you expect his record to be better than it is. Well, I think closers, good closers, are good putters. I think that's his weakness. Mm. His 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 putting's his weakness. He's a very good striker. If he gets if he gets in front. On a tough golf course, I don't think anybody beat him because he—it's—that's all about striking. But you know, if you have a look at the scores they're shooting these guys, 25, 26, 27 under, you've got to be making a lot of putts. Yeah. And uh, so that's possibly why uh, he hasn't been as effective as perhaps he should have been. But as a top twenty bet, um, yeah, fantastic, absolutely, pretty good odds on. Yeah, yeah, agree. An accomplished uh, US tour player. Uh, that's it. 
Jay, just the two tournaments this week, which is a bit unusual, isn't it? But uh, the ladies are back next week with their final event of the season. I think they're, are they playing for a, is it a $1.5 million winner's check? It's a crazy amount of money for the for the women's final event of the year. Good to see, see it. Yeah, to see Oh, it's fantastic. Good luck. And we'll be, we'll be partisanly cheering on Hannah Green in that event uh, and Suo and Minji Lee. We will we'll make no secret of the fact that we'll be like to see one of them get up and win that event. But that's not until next week. That's it for this week, Jay. Been great to chat to you, mate. As always, I hope your car sorts itself out without a massive bill. One other thing, right? Yeah, sorry, mate. So I could interrupt you. Yes. Um, last week, we tipped uh, Ben... Hey Bear at uh, $230. That's, yes, that's he got right. into the playoffs. I did too, yes. Which, which I thought was a Mickey Mouse affair where, where and, and I understand they've done it before, but to go off in two, three balls rather than everybody going together. So yeah, 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 six players in the playoff, just to, just to clarify. Six, six players in the playoff, and they made them play in two groups of three as opposed to all six hitting at one time and then all six hitting their second shot. So you would have preferred to see all six play together? Is that what you're saying? I've seen them. I've seen. Well, I was in one where we had an 11, 11 guys went down the first Netherlands one year to um, to sort out who was going to get in, and um, and I got in. But the point was, we had everybody teed off. Everybody, there was no problem. We all played. It's not like you've got you're going to hold anyone out, and um, and it, it worked well. Everybody knew exactly where everybody else was and uh, how they were going and, and what they had to do. And and I thought that was a much sounder idea. But I will say, well, I did want to comment on the fact that, that I saw that 18th hole where the playoff was held, and it was a fantastic hole for a playoff. If you hit the fairway, uh, I think uh, Kurt Kitayama hit a six iron on the green the first time round, and the number of pl- uh, there was only only two of them got on the green for two, and so out of this, this is and they played it about 12 times, so the hole required. Accuracy, power, and then a wonderful short game, and uh, um, it, it was most interesting. I, I, I thought to myself, "This, uh, I think Montgomery designed it, and I think he did a pretty good job." That's the course in Turkey, yeah. Although, I think as we discussed during the week, Je, would be a nightmare hole for the average player. <laughs> it's a fantastic hole for the pros, but a nightmare hole for the average player. Possible for us, yeah. But, but as, as, a, as, a, as a as a final hole for a for a tournament, golf, yeah. It did show a lot of merit. Yeah, indeed. But as you say, amateurs probably couldn't play. Yeah. Struggled to make six. Yeah, enjoy. Uh, just just to go back to that, what didn't you like about the split play? What, what, what's the problem with splitting the group into two, two, three balls? What I think happens is, is that the guys behind, the guys in front, uh, it's a bit like playing first in match play. You, 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 you play first, you put the pressure on the other players. And mm. I thought that's what happened. Uh-huh. The guys in front put the pressure on much more pressure on the guys at the back who, who also had to wait a much longer time to tee off. And, and, and you know what happens with your mind with time. Mm. It, uh, it, you start to think about some weird things. And uh, I think that I just thought to me there were six of them. A six ball isn't a big issue. It's manageable. And, yeah. the, and, the, and the television coverage would have been better. Yeah. You weren't the only one, I must say, I was on Twitter, and you weren't the only one to point that out. There weren't a lot of people. There were a few people, and predominantly golf professionals, who probably think the same way you do, which who said they thought that that was a bit, uh, that was a bit unfair to the, to the three blokes going in the second group. Uh, so you've got some support there, Jay. Very unusual for people to agree with you, Jay. So you should probably take that 
uh, take that on board and really enjoy it the, the, while it lasts. The lambs are great with me. <laughs> Even they're happy to see the back of you. I jest, of course. I'm sure they're very upset to see you. Mate, I hope your car sorts itself out without a massive bill, though. Being a Mercedes, that seems unlikely, from my knowledge of how these things work. But best of luck with that, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Won't be long before you're back here in Australia, Jay, for the President's Cup. Are you coming to the Open? I can't remember. The Australian Open? I might do. I, I, I don't know whether I'll be able to walk. It's only... Th- Three we'll weeks away. Two weeks. Two but weeks. We'll see how we go. All right. Well, if you can get here and in a wheelchair, I'll push you at least some of the way. I can't guarantee that I won't leave you out at say the ninth that's green the or something. But uh... I think a lot of people push me <laughs> that's out. Right. <laughs> the the Oz has probably got a bit too much water for you to ask people to push you out in a wheelchair. <laughs> Jay, that might not be a great idea. Uh, thanks again for your time this week, mate. We we'll look forward to catching up soon. Thank you very much, Rod. It's uh, been a pleasure. As it always is. Risk and Reward, Episode 17 in the books. Let's hope there's a winner in that lot. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. You're only getting a portion of the tips if you're only doing the podcast. Get onto that newsletter. Put in that promo code, 25% off, and the profit guarantee you can't lose. We'll be back to do it all again next week with Episode 18 of Risk and Reward. (laughs) 